Hello everybody, how's it going and welcome back to the As Always podcast, episode 142. I'm one of your host James and I'm joined as always by Tyler. As always, how's it going my friend? It's going pretty well, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, excited to be here as always. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, fantastic, <laughs> alright. Holy moly. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of as always. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yeah, uh, as you can see today, we're joined by a good friend of the podcast, Colin Moriarty. Once again, how's it going, Colin? Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you uh, for calling me a friend of the podcast. That's so kind of you. I'm doing very well. <laughs> uh, it's good to be here with you. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, good to you hear. definitely are by now. I mean, I think you, this is your fourth or fifth time on this show. Yeah, I think so. I think at least so four, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. And, and I, I thought it hasn't been that long since you've been on. And then I realized, like, it's been... You were on March last year was the last time we were on, which is a year ago, and we were talking about like, wow. oh yeah, COVID's, or maybe it was April, but like COVID did just sort of hit everywhere. The global pandemic just sort of happened. So it's like forever ago now. It feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah, I mean, this last year has been, I don't know what this last year has been, but it's been something. And uh, It's been... Yeah, uh, sure. yeah we framed this uh, these appearances really nicely. So <laughs> a lot of yeah. terrible things happened in between the two appearances. Yeah, so. yeah, phenomenal. So a lot, a lot, a lot, certainly a lot to catch up on. Um, uh, but before we get into that, ladies and gentlemen, if you like what you're listening to or watching, depending on whether in uh, YouTube or podcast services, and you want to hear more, head over to patreon.com forward slash as always. And for just $1 a month, you get exclusive access to the best podcast on the internet in our humble opinions. The Clubhouse podcast, there's over 100 episodes on there that you could stream right now. Uh, plus early access, cool perks, bonuses, rewards. Head over there, check it out. Uh, and um, I've got to thank, of course, our Patreon producers. That is Damien, Real Kermit Cinema, King Richard III, Viridian, Colton the Cream Pie King, Jesper Olsen, Albrick, Avery Dobbs, Cat94, Flash Paradox, Clark53, Does the Name William Miles Ring a Bell, Cassandra Fingers Me with Her Thick Strong Arms, Raj, Ryan Hafer, Tristan Weaver, and Ballsack47. Thank you. you oh, Ballsack forty seven. Is that the one that's always been around? Yeah, the, he's Ballsack has always been while, around. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, here's a funny story for you, Colin. We do a Patreon podcast called Clubhouse, and all the topics are like people submit, but they're like life advice, sto- people's stories, things like that. And we have like sagas of stories. And Ballsack had some of the most impressive life stories you've ever heard in his life. Wow. And here's the thing it got to the point where we stopped believing him so have you ever heard of the porn star riley reed yeah yeah i know yes so so he claims so balsa from what we understand he works in finance of some kind he has i don't think it's you know giving away too much he has quite a bit of money from what he has told us Hmm. Uh, and he parties and and does things like that. And he he then had this story that he submitted where he said he didn't even know, but he went to a strip club and he somehow had sex with Riley Reid. And after that, we we're like, okay, we realized that every story you've told us over the years is a lie. And he's and it's that was over a year ago. <laughs> he's never submitted a topic since, but he still supports us. So I don't it's know. It's very going. interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, yeah. It's a. I mean, that's obviously a bullshit story, but it's nice <laughs> that he's. <laughs> hung around it could be that he's forgotten that he even has that subscription as well so it's uh, it's possible but he's sort of he's popped maybe. up here and there in secret mm. and we've noticed because we can that's see that's true but not yeah, everyone well, else can see. so he's maybe so he's, he's around he's well maybe he would have been a very lucky man if that were the case but yeah uh, but <laughs> we know that it's, is not we know case. it's bullshit and that's yeah. okay <laughs> it's not the that's case, okay. No. it's a nice little yeah. fantasy anyway 
Yeah, story. yeah. It just, but it sort of ruined because he had such great stories, and they were believable. Like he, he didn't quite stretch too far, and it just slowly a couple of them like James would question, and then I'd go, "No, nah, I think it like I want to believe it's true." And then mm. after that, there was just no no if ands or buts about it. It was like, okay, yeah, there's no you're way. a liar, and that's he what started to believe his own hype. You know? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, but how are you, Colin? What's uh, it's been a long time, but um, how's life treating you at the moment? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, we can't see each other on Skype. You'll see the video later when you put the show together. But we're just in my office, and I'm um, there's a shelf behind me now, so things are starting to happen in my office. I I've gone many months without doing anything in here, basically. So now there's a shelf. My girlfriend put it together. I didn't even do it, and uh, <laughs> it's got some toys on it. So I'm starting yeah. to. You know, worry about the aesthetic of the new videos we're doing and stuff. But um, otherwise, I'm just working and hanging out, and uh, that's basically basically it. There's almost nothing new to report. I almost feel like I'm talking to my dad in a way when he calls, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't. Nothing's really happened. <laughs> to, well, to, I mean, you've yeah. released a new game that uh, you yes. produced and wrote. Uh, that's Hubroxia true. Too. Tell us about that. Um, yeah, we released a game. I think it was a month ago, the day we're recording the show or so and it's a arcade shooter a non-linear arcade shooter in the style of you know gradius or you know or gradius depending on how you want to say it and uh, others salamander slash life force and all of that and yeah i wrote the uh it's the developer i own a portion of lily mo we developed it and uh, i wrote the story and did some um just basic design work and stuff but mostly barry um who's the lead programmer and and the the owner of a majority of the company just did a really an amazing job on this game and so we're really happy with it and it just joins a small lineage of games that we're creating what we call weekend games and uh we'll continue to make those you know games that are meant to distract you for a few days while you're waiting for another triple a game or you're just taking a little bit of a break and it's fun it's cool it's i'm really excited that people have taken to it we got an 80 on metacritic which i couldn't couldn't believe so yeah it's a really well designed game. It's also so hard. Like, <laughs> yeah, it took forever to just do like level two and three for me. And maybe it's because it's not a style of game I've played a lot. But I, th I'm like, I'm good enough at video games. Surely I, I could do this. Um, and it was very difficult. But what I loved about it was how n nothing in there. And we talked about it on our other podcast, the Four Pillars podcast, because. Um, you, you sent us four codes and the four of us had, you know, had a good crack at uh, the game and we came together and, and had a chat about it and all of us were talking about how uh, there was no wasted uh, time for you as the player. It Everything you collect, everything you upgrade is actually rewarding and beneficial and you really had to think about every upgrade you do to your ship and the fact that you're dying a whole bunch of times trying to do a level is like f the fun thing about it because you're slowly like chipping away at the level and mastering it and, and it's yeah really really well designed oh thank yeah, you sure. yeah it's it's funny because we i was just right i haven't finished it yet but i'm doing this like q a with a, a website about the game and kind of just the games we've made so far and they asked like what lesson we learned from hybroxia 2 that we or like from twin breaker our last game that we were able to put forth with hybroxia and i was like well we should have learned these certain lessons, but it's funny because we ended up in the same pitfall where we thought the game was too easy, um, and uh, if not easy enough. And then we started hearing again with Hyproxia 2 that 
people found it hard, um, which is totally understandable. Like, like you said, it's it's a matter of the games you grew up with and the games you kind of gravitate towards. If you're not into arcade shooters, it's not it's a it's not a bullet hell game or anything, but it is a shmup and it's a twin stick shooter. So it's about adjusting to those things. But we tried to make it as modular as possible. Um, and it's a little annoying if you want to play it that way, but you can make the game as hard or as easy as you want if you're willing to grind because of the credit system. You can By the end of the game, you can make your ship so powerful that it's almost trivial to play. Um, and so we wanted to give people like this maximum, almost like very easy mode, very hard mode, which would be to like not upgrade your ship at all, basically, if you could do that, it'd be very difficult. And, um, and then everything in between and the New Game Plus stuff. So, And then the other thing is, um, you know, Twin Breaker, our last game, was supposed to be, ironically, like a really dense story with a like an arcade game. And some people liked it and some people didn't, but some people complained that it was too dense. So we stripped a lot of what I was going to do with Hybroxia 2 out so that people can get more into the gameplay. And then people complained that there wasn't enough story. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we're going to fix, we're going to, I won't say too much, but we're going to go back and I think tweak pretty much everything we've made so far. Um, at some point and Herboxia's so we'll add story and stuff to Herboxia too but it's just fun it's kind of cool because we can kind of just modularly make games as well um, and just kind of upgrade them as we go which is cool yeah yeah right yeah. and I mean the story of Twin Breaker was definitely something I, I enjoyed that a lot especially like um, knowing you and, and Chris and, and seeing you guys as characters in this game was was funny like it's like oh this is very cool and it's, it felt like you know a colin brainchild uh experience when you play twin breaker um so i mean mm. i don't uh, but do you feel like and, and i guess this is like any game when you hear someone go oh we, we were making the franchise this way and people complained about this and then we changed it and then all of a sudden they complained that it wasn't there do you feel like it's two different audiences when you hear things like that yeah, it's an interesting question. I've almost become one of those guys because now I'm reacting based on like critical feedback, which is both good and bad. But um, yeah, it could be that you can't really please everyone. I realized in some way with Twin Breaker that it was just maybe too meta. And, and I just made too many assumptions about what people would understand about the game just from a story level. Um, and with Herboxia, it's interesting because with Herboxia 2... I was very much inspired by Castlevania 3. In fact, no one would ever know this, but the intro cinematic is like beat for beat Castlevania 3's intro in terms of like how much is presented. It's like five blocks of text and the images are presented in specific orders just like Castlevania 3. And that was a huge inspiration. And the reason I drew inspiration from that game is because that game basically tells you nothing. It, it tells you its story in other ways. And so we wanted to tell our story or I wanted to tell the story through the game's stage names and the descriptions of the stages and then the boss descriptions. Um, and what it was supposed to really be was that you're stumbling upon and we'll go more into this on our content when we do a spoiler cast, but you're stumbling upon like an alien race as they are and they have a prison and they have mining complexes and they have a government and an economy and you're kind of just springing up on them as they are, you know? Um, and I don't know. I, I don't know if that re that didn't really shine through, I guess, either. So maybe I, I have much to learn in terms of game narrative. There's there's no doubt about it. Do you plan on doing a sequel to Twin Breaker? Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do a sequel. I think we'll do. So we have two games in development right now. 
one will come out by the end of the year and we will announce that i think in a couple of months but that's a smaller like puzzle game and we're really stoked about it actually um and then the other game is a role-playing game that we're still pretty early on and i'm i'm writing the story and kind of working that out that will be later i don't know when that's going to come out and then we want so we want to go back and revisit the old games at some point at least see what we can do with them um address some issues with them and give people free patches and we'll have more to say about that later but then we want to revisit Herbroxia and we want to visit revisit twin breaker so with twin breaker i don't know i mean i, I even thought about calling it like Tribreaker or something um but we're trying to like figure out what that might be but we definitely want to revisit that i love brick breakers and um twin breaker does end on a on a cliffhanger so not that too many people care but i want to at least resolve that story so i think we'll revisit both of them and the beauty is is that we can we keep cranking these games out and it's interesting because i think they're high quality and they're creating a back catalog which allows us to you know from a business standpoint create somewhat reliable revenue so maybe we can continue to do this so from what you're saying mm -hmm. would that mean the two games in development aren't sequels to twin breaker or Herbroxia? no they're not okay. um one is a new thing and well they're both new things but we've talked a little bit about the role-playing game we, we're making a 16 slash 32-bit style pixel art jrpg style role-playing game um that's like a dream that, that's like a dream project of ours it's um you know i wrote the treatment for it we have art in progress and i think barry's messing with some of the tools because we, we build everything in the same engine so um so we can start kind of building stuff and that game kind of relies a lot on me so it's going to take a little bit more time so when more in the foreground barry is working with one of our artist friends on a smaller game more <laughs> akin to what we've made and yeah i think we'll we're going to try to get that out on everything including vita and including the next gen consoles by the end of the year so um yeah so Herboxia 2 and twin breaker or Herboxia 3 and tribreaker or whatever we'll call it is are there not those games <clears throat> right right okay. That's that's such a change, uh, it, it, in a sense, for you to go from, you know, in a lot of ways, well, a content creator, a critic. Wh what's the transition been like? To you've now been a part of developing two games. You own a piece of a game studio, and you've got two games in the works and plans for for the future. Like, wh what's what's the goal here? I guess for you with Lilymo, how 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 far do you want to take this? I don't know. I mean, I really when when Barry and I got together because Lily Mo existed for two games before me. Um, I told him that I kind of wanted to be si as silent as I could be in terms of business because he this is his full time job. I really am able to leverage very specific expertise is uh, in order to help us sell games. I have a huge platform to market games. Um, and we can make a game like we do with Twin Breaker around one of our products. And obviously I have writing and creative knowledge and a lot of um, just experience because I've played so many games in my life and has been in the industry for so long that there are just common sense things that I see in games that we change. And I think that I have a lot of good feedback and advice on, on those fronts. But I try to let Barry steer the ship because it's his company. He let me into it and I kind of want to respect what he wants to do and in the order we need to do things so i would really love us to stay a small nimble company that understands our place in the industry um 
We don't want to make AAA games. We don't want to make 3D games or 2.5D games. We really want to make pixel art old school games. And that's however we can do that is great. Um, it's crazy because when I look at the sales of our games, which are like modest, uh, I think Twin Breaker is maybe approaching 20,000. I, I don't know. I haven't really looked. And by the way, like see, just inside baseball, like even knowing how many games you sold is really hard. Um, it's really kind of crazy, like you, the way you have to figure this shit out. It's nuts, um, especially from Sony. But um, our games sell pretty modestly. And on one hand, it's like, wow, like some games must sell nothing on PlayStation Network. And we don't want to obviously become that. And then on the other hand, it's like, wow, there are big games that sell 50,000, 100,000, 200,000, 250,000 copies and more from the indie space on PlayStation Network and elsewhere, Switch. And we want to be one of those. Um, so we don't really want to change. Like, we think Habroxia 2 is good enough to sell that many copies. It's a matter of figuring out how to get our games in front of more people so that they can see that we think they're good, too. And so we want to remain a modest upstart um, and do our own thing, publish our own games. We're totally solvent, no debt, um, no investment. And that allows us to do our thing. And as I told the story on Sacred Symbols a few days ago, we were going to we're, we're even working on maybe porting and stuff like that too well i was, I was actually gonna ask you about that because you i saw that you made a tweet and I, I saw that you talked about it on um sacred symbols but i mean after all these years of you know you've done i mean in our opinion you haven't done any, really any bad but you've done so much good you know as a content creator and in the games industry and yet you have this perception from the stupid past shit that was stupid at the time let alone now and i want to ask you about how you f what your thoughts on your perception are still in 2021 of the games industry from this story you got um when uh lily mo was asked to port uh was it a remaster of a game was it a remake what, what yeah was it? Well, it was a, it was a gonna be a all we are gonna say is like uh it's a port of a game to a platform it was okay pretty straightforward the only reason we're not saying more is because i don't want it to even be about who it was or what the game was because it doesn't really matter um i i was i mean it matters in the main but i really wanted more people to know like hey this stuff's happening you should know i mean i i, I just don't want to create like cat fight situations with people online I just it's kind of embarrassing the way people act online i don't want to i don't want to be a part of that but it's it's unfortunate because i i read things sometimes where people are like man colin's got such a victim complex and He's always bringing these things up, and I'm like, "Do you think I want to be a victim? Like, I'm I'm just trying to go to PAX. I'm just trying to get a game for a review. I'm just trying to put my company out there. That, by the way, contracted us, knowing who I was and who that I was involved, and then took it away later. And you know, on and on. And it's like I don't want these things to happen. And of course, I'm bringing things up that happened in the past too. But the the point is, is like I'm just trying to do my thing. I'm not trying to hurt anyone. I didn't do anything to anybody." This game of telephone has gotten incredibly silly. Um, and the only way we can combat it, I guess, is just continue to do our thing. I'm continuing to try to get disparate voices on our platform when we can to... I don't even like the, the word debate because it's become such a joke. But like, just discuss and have some sort of dialogue about interesting and divisive and important issues in our industry. And it's hard to even get those people to come on the show if, if it will ever happen at all, because they just have a misconception of not only me, but like what my audience is and who they do or uh, who, who they are and how they act rather. I'm sorry. And so I don't, I, I just, um, 
I don't want to feed into it anymore negatively, but it bothers me sometimes when people are like, man, what a victim complex. And it's like, stop victimizing me. I'm not even, you know, like, I'm not going to just sit here and pretend these things aren't happening so it doesn't look like I don't have a victim complex. Like, if if bad things are happening and weird things are happening, like when we were uninvited from PAX for no reason, mm. when we're, we have hit pieces written about us on Kotaku and, and people try to get us deplatformed and all of that, it's... I'm not doing that to other people. So that's just stuff I want to bring to people's attention. But I still try to go forward. And, and the thing, the thing is, is that we have such a huge audience. Like people come to us for game content. A lot of these other people don't have an audience. And even if they, if they didn't talk about this stuff, they, no one would listen to anything they had to say. So I'm fine with it. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I said this before, like I, I can't remember what it was, but I think you, you just mentioned you know stuff going on and the way people perceive you and i think it's crazy because it's sort of i mean it seems to come out of nowhere like i don't really know what happened i mean we talked about it when you first came on the podcast however long that was like four years ago or something but it was it's weird because this strange perception of you and who you are and who your audience is and the community surrounding you seemed to spring from nothing really and i'm not entirely sure why um but it 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 is kind of frustrating to look at like with regards to you and you know other people as well and i've had it a little bit myself on a much smaller scale but like it's 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 very strange the way that people can perceive things yeah i agree and i i think i explained this actually because i'm doing a few podcasts the last few weeks just to kind of open myself up a little bit more to guest appearances before i just crawl back into my hole for a little while and um we were talking about politics and um and just like perception and i was like well a lot of the perception and misperception issues or if you want to call them misperception issues in quotes because i think it's willful you know um a lot of it but i think it's it is political and the way i explained it to them is when you live in an echo chamber so um walled off let's say from the wider world this let's say san francisco and i say that with no ill will towards san francisco per se i lived there from for 10 years um i have a lot more insight in the san francisco culture than most people um but when you live there and, and those are the people you surround yourself with and you don't know the other side and you don't know other people then someone like me who's not a trump voter for instance is the closest you even know to a trump voter it's the closest i'm the closest they even know to a conservative person and so I think a lot of that was just taken out on me because they don't these are the same people that were arguing about how you should go home for Thanksgiving and argue with your family over Turkey about you know Syria or something like that or you know it's like it's like weird yeah. shit and, yeah. and 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 a lot of it I think is just I've been reading a lot about this lately and, and watching videos where a lot of this stuff is just kind of I hate to kind of put a patina on it like this I'm sure it's not true in all cases but a lot of this stuff seems to be started by people that don't have an incredible amount of happiness in their life they don't have love and care in their life seems like none of them or a lot of them don't have connections or even hate their families the way they talk about their families and people that think differently than them and they kind of cast aspersions at others and project into society the way that they think others should feel and it's a really sad mixture of um of stuff i just want to avoid moving forward so it's it's unfortunate that that's the reality but i think that that's a pretty good analysis of it because i know these people and i know who they know or at least knew who they know and they don't know anyone like that voted for trump they don't know anyone that is a libertarian they don't really know any you know so so just take it just shoot your arrows at me because i'm here and that's the way i think it went down and do you feel mm. like 
Yeah, I, I feel like the last four, well, more than four years, because Trump was around before the 2016 election, there was years of build-up to it as well. Um, but do you feel the Trump era's over and people are just tired of talking about politics and it's going to go back to people sort of not caring about politics and the people that like or care about politics will still care about it, but uh, the rest of the world's going to be like, can we just ignore this again like we used to? Do you feel like that's how things are going to go and maybe things will get a little back to... I don't even want to say normal. There's no normal ever. Everything's always changing, but I mean, to a sense where not everyone's going to give a shit about your politics, or do you think that's forever now? I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think it will. The, the argument for Biden, for Joe Biden in the States was a return to normalcy, like just a return to boring old, you know, boring mm. old Joe Biden, bringing back some, you know, basic decency. And I, I totally respect that. I mean, I think that's fine. You know, you want your like bureaucrats back in office and things to be a little more normal. But it did bring a lot of people to the table. And I actually saw this interesting poll. I think it's from Gallup. So it's a, a reliable poll. People were circulating a day or two ago that half of all American adults now now are identify themselves as independent. Um, and the other 50 percent totally evenly split 25, 25 between the Republicans and Democrats. And so I think the future of American politics is very much in the 50% that can sway it one way or the other. It's a huge group of people. And I hope that I hope they sway it towards common sense decency. I mean, like in America, we don't really want the government in our lives. I don't, I'm so sick of seeing Dr. Fauci everywhere and, um, you know, stuff like, like we, we do, want, but at the same time, that stuff's important. If people want to seek it out, that's fine. I, I just, I hope that people remain engaged and maybe kind of, remove some of the toxicity that's been injected i know that this is an inside baseball kind of thing but there's a woman named nira tandon um and people can look her up if they want uh she's under she so in the united states she's um like a liberal commentator and also like a like a liberal apparatchik and she's under consideration by the senate for the office of management and budget which is like this just this bureaucratic post but What's interesting is that the Senate is probably going to decline her confirmation because of all the fucked up shit she said on Twitter to people. And it's a really interesting story because it's as I saw someone describe it, it's finally someone paying a price in public, not in a business sense or anything like that, but with the government where they're like, you can't act like an animal anymore, you know, and then expect that we're just going to let you in. And I kind of hope that that mood prevails because I think it'll be a very positive thing and bring the right people to the table which is all we should really want at the end of the day yeah well I mean mm. that's well it's what I mean, it's referred to what as cancel culture you know when someone brings up your old tweets or this or that I mean cancel culture has always been around in some form it's just so prevalent now and such a calculated thing it feels like in so many instances. I mean, 2017 was 2017. Was it? You were like one of the first people to fall victim. But even then, like you didn't get canceled. Like it was like you, they attempted to cancel you. And I guess in the sense of you no longer are with the company you, you, um, that you were with, I guess it worked in that way, but you're, you've got a bigger audience than ever. And you ended up on Joe Rogan twice. Like, you know, it, it had almost the opposite effect to you because you fought back. So many people seem to just not know how to handle it. They're like, I'll go in silence and 
and just accept this defeat and you can lose so much but i mean i feel like you're the you're so early on into cancel culture that happened but you're the blueprint of like this is what you should do if you didn't actually do anything wrong and you believe in who you are and you stand up for that you can actually be made by it and not canceled by it it's it's weird that you don't see it that much yeah I, i agree i mean i was very fortunate to kind of understand there's a lot of things i don't understand but i think i in the moment i understood like there's no re you can't you can't first of all there's no apology good enough so it's not even unless you really did something wrong which i didn't then there's no reason to apologize um because they're not going to accept it anyway you're just fall you know committing seppuku for no reason that they're not going to look at you any better it's like when these you know um Rush Limbaugh is a really good example because uh, not that I'm a huge fan, but he was really inspirational to me in uh, my my younger years. He's a huge reason why I became a conservative. And and uh, I always remember listening to him with my dad when I was a kid and whatnot. But like the vile and vitriol you saw um, cast to him when he passed away on social media and even in public forums kind of illustrated why being a culture warrior to some people makes a lot of sense because like he just went all in. He's like, well, these people hate me and it's kind of indistinguishable from the way they hate like Mitt Romney. So why not just bring it to them? And I'm trying every day in my life to kind of battle against that notion and becoming more like the near tandem thing. I just brought up this kind of obscure situation happening in the U S right now. It's just emblematic because it makes me think like I always was against cancellation of other people. Even after my attempted cancellation, I came out in defense of many different people, but at the same time, with things just getting worse and worse, it almost makes me wonder, like, maybe my take was wrong. Maybe you do fight fire with fire. Maybe the people that um, have been telling me that my approach has been wrong all these years were right and that people need to be hurt by the very rules that they put in place in order to understand the true ramifications of them. And although I'm not super comfortable with that, it's made me more reserved in coming to people's defense because I'm like, so many people didn't come to mind. I tried to come to people, other people's defense. I tried to do the right thing, set a good tenor. It didn't really matter. So now I'm just going to kind of stay out of it and um, watch people kind of eat themselves alive, which is very much happening in the United States and everywhere. In fact, yeah, it's, de- it's mm. definitely everywhere. It, fe- it feels like it's everywhere. It's yeah, it's <laughs> fuck. Sure. It's a wild time. Certainly but- in the English speaking world, right? Like you, it's interesting. Yeah. Like the people were talking about the, um, the, the words yesterday, like woman with an X in it and Latin, lat, I don't know if it's Latin X or Latinx, that word, like mm. that's supposed to be gender neutral kind of instead of Latino or Latina and whatever. And it's funny because when you speak to people from the romance language countries, they actually have a pretty conservative viewpoint on a lot of these issues because their very language and the way they talk to each other is starting to be remade. It's hit them right where it hurts. Um, unfortunately, it takes... Uh, takes that for people to pay attention to just weird shit happening and, and, you know, the rewriting of language and the new speak going on and all of that. But at the same time, I still feel like people want the same stuff. Um, And I still very much challenge people to watch things that they disagree with, which I do all the time just to, you know, iron sharpens iron and all that so that maybe your mind has changed. I continue to think that I get more liberal as I get older because of that. And and Mm. also talking about these languages like what so many english-speaking people don't understand is that english is a weird language so many of these other languages have gender words to them to everything to all your nouns 
Spanish-Italian to all your nouns before you say the word, there's an, an uh, a, a, like a gender word that you put to it. Is it a male word or is it a female word? So to try to gender neutralize languages that aren't English is mental. Like it's so, you're completely changing a whole language in so many ways. It's bizarre. It's bizarre yeah, to think and, about. Yeah, and that gets mm. down to the very heart of like a society and who people are. And it's just people are starting to wake up, I think, slowly. But I think a lot of damage is still being done. Um, and it's kind of nice because I've just kind of stayed out of it since the beginning of the year. I just told myself I wasn't going to. I have no problem talking politics. I watch political shows every day. I pay attention every day. But I told myself that I would stay out of the fray on social media simply because it is impossible to have a construction conver a constructive conversation there. And I felt like I was almost falling prey to a level of narcissism where it's like, why do I need, why did why I need to say something about this? You know, why do I need to sound off on X, Y, and Z? It's meaningless. It doesn't matter. No one really gives a shit anyway because they're just going to argue with me and argue with themselves and have their preconceived notions. It's only in places like this, like a podcast, where I'm willing to talk about it anymore publicly because then at least hmm. I have we we all have and I have room to to speak and get those um those thoughts out there so I think also just the the decay that social media has um infested our polity with is just horrible and um I realized that I was kind of part of the problem too and so I just I I wanted to withdraw and by the way nothing has changed for me except for my life is much easier and much happier now and um <laughs> Oh, and God, I've wanted to sound off about so many different things. I've deleted so many tweets that I've half written and stuff like that. But it's like, no, I'm just it's a good exercise. I actually recommend it. It's a good exercise in restraint uh, mm -hmm. and understanding that I don't need, you know, the $15 minimum wage. Why, who, why do I have to say anything about that? You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, like, that's a good point. In, in, a, in a 280 character sense. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And I think that a lot of people, I mean years ago i used to get really engaged in twitter conversations about you know politics and, and and whatever and i mean there's a lot of stuff that i didn't understand um at the time but i it's just all it really does is cause just arguments and people get mad and just increases the way that people perceive you wrong or the people wrong it's just like no one can have a meaningful discussion on twitter i don't think anyone's ever come away from a twitter discussion thinking oh you know what i learned something there it's more just like oh, i'm so mad at this fucking idiot um and i think that i've been going through uh, like sometimes i'll so i'll be going through my old tweets and sometimes i'll read things where i'm like wow that was a dumb thing to say and i'll delete it or it's just stuff where i'm like that just doesn't need to be on my twitter account and i've kind of been cleansing my twitter of political stuff because i mean 70% of it I disagree with now and I just don't want to have to engage with someone that thinks that's my current view despite the tweet being five years old but it's yeah I don't know it's it's I've been trying to stay out of it a little bit um and I think I, like you I want to say real quick I, I think people I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you I just want to say like people don't you don't owe anyone anything right like you don't yeah people need your yeah. your people need to understand too like you don't owe them commentary right like mm. I'm yeah, sorry to interrupt. Sure. I just wanted to say that, like, it's an important, it's an important component to it. Like, you don't, people say things to you. They they bring things up you said in the past as if you owe them anything. You know, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, exactly. It's just it's just a weird, very presumptuous way to go about business. Mm, yeah, it's, it's 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 worthless too. Bringing up something that you said 
years ago. Bring up something that I said now. Like, look at who I am now. And if like, and as well, like, tweets are so... They, they can easily be misunderstood. Like, it's only so many characters. It's... It's so strange that, like, Twitter and people's, like, th things they've said on Twitter are now the, at the forefront of who is somebody as a person. It's like, well, look at what they've tweeted. It's 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 an incredibly strange way of seeing things. And I think staying out of it and ignoring things. And I've, I've switched my Twitter settings so I can only see mentions from specific people. So not, like, people with, like, brand new accounts or, you know, haven't verified or whatever. So, like, I just keep it clean. I like to see tweets from people that I care about, people that I follow, people that follow me. Uh, my audience and stuff like that and i'll see the odd tweet from someone else that'll pop up in there but it's nowhere near as messy as it used to be with people like finding a bunch of tweets from three four five years ago and just being like what do you have to say about this i'm like i have nothing to say about this i don't know why you're even bringing it up um and i've felt a lot better about it for sure i'm glad it, i mean it, yeah it i'm sorry go ahead to, it goes back to what colin you were saying earlier uh, about these people that the, the people that bring it up like you definitely don't know those people anything because who the fuck are they? They can't, you can't be happy with your life if something you want to do is go back through someone's old tweets or even when you see an old tweet you disagree with, think to yourself, ah, oh, they they have to explain themselves to me right now as to <laughs> what they think. Like so all it comes down to to me is they see, and it's a jealousy thing to me. It's people that. Colin, you said these people don't have an audience. You're 100% right. They, these people get a glimpse of a platform because they know someone or, or write an article for a, um, a brand that has some sort of audience, but the audience isn't loyal to the brand like they are to a Last Stand Media or to an As Always, where they actually are loyal to the brand because they are loyal to the people that run the brand because they identify with them. No one identifies with a fucking kotaku journalists they just know kotaku because it writes video game news i guess you could call it news like it's just it's just jealousy for a platform and they, and they want and and they hate people for it like because it's also not everyone not everyone gets the hate not everyone with a platform gets hate it's like why is it specific people why is it you colin that's going to be the one on your brand that's really targeted by these people why would it be when it comes to our community group <clears throat> it's probably a james more than anyone that's going to get it like why is this because i people might find themselves and identify themselves with you know they want to think they're these other people they're these other people they're like well if it was me i'd be i'd somehow be better in their own weird mind whereas in reality they'd just be like us but they don't want to admit that and and it comes and they think why isn't it me then why why them and not me and and ultimately I really think it's a deep deep seated uh, jealousy um, that they don't really even understand like they wouldn't be able to admit it I don't think they know it is yeah I mean I, if I hated someone so deeply I don't know that I hate anyone like that but if I did and then I was like obsessed with their downfall and they just kept going and trying to contribute to it and then they just kept doing better and better that would drive me nuts that's why you can't you can't just get involved there's so many weird trivial people in the games industry that are just like i don't even know what you do like you're just known for <laughs> having this really toxic feed and but then you act like you're this really this um this paragon of virtue it's it's a strange thing and i think we should just the best we can do is to just not when we can not contribute to it and um yeah i just think it's i find it incredibly peculiar because I was people just don't tweet at me like this anymore but early in the year when I stopped tweeting I didn't say anything about it but I just stopped tweeting about politics and then what happened in the capital 
in Washington happened and people were tweeting me like, well, you're real quiet now. And where is you? And it's like, dude, I don't owe you any commentary just because I said something about something else. doesn't mean, I, I have to say anything about anything. And I, I kind of started to resent this idea that people felt like they could just coerce opinions out of me. And I would often be all too happy to oblige them. And mm-hmm. it was like, I'm not your, your, it's not a fucking dog and pony show. You know, um, I have places where I speak. I, I talk in podcasts for a living and I love being silly and candid on Twitter. I love interacting with my fans and, and the people that enjoy our podcast and even people that disagree with me, but I don't owe you like con- like ongoing commentary about every issue that happens. And I had to remove myself from that, even just kind of passively teaching the audience like, no, uh, no, I'm not doing that. And so now we're in a place where they just don't expect it. It, it. it didn't take very long and it was cool, but it's funny on the other side, like people that just thrive in those environments. I found it so funny when Donald Trump was banned from Twitter, whether or not you agree with that is irrelevant. I just found it funny how the people that only became famous for being reply guys to Donald Trump now had nothing. They're done. Oh, yeah. You know, and mm. I would like go to their pages, like this, the, the famous ones, like in quotes for like a couple of weeks afterwards. I'm like, you're finished. Like, this is the this is the life you made. That guy's account doesn't exist anymore. You're you have n- nothing on here now. People don't care about what you have to say in a vacuum. You're gonna find that out really quickly. Um, that's why you don't have. That's why you don't build these brands and these personas based on this very limited worldview, this very limited outlook, and this this toxicity or this one track mind. You get exactly what you ask for sometimes, like with the Trump situation. And now these guys are shit out of luck. So it was kind of funny to see from that perspective too. I think we can all just be better i think it's just a, a lesson no one will ever learn but to just be better um when you can and the more you're better uh the more you're conscientious of it then i think the overall status of of the situation becomes better and then people stop condoning bad acting and bad actors and so on and so forth but it, it starts at this embryonic place we can't even get to and i don't think we're ever going to get to it and therefore i've just withdrawn <clears throat> yeah mm. well that's lo- like you said, you're much happier now. I think we had a bit of the same thing a few years ago. When was it, Chad? I don't even know. Like Long we were just ha- like we were talking. We'd always talk politics, or we'd somehow oh, yeah, we'd somehow we'd end up getting into politics. We'd be talking about games or something, and somehow some political would come up. We get into it, or whether it's on Twitter or on a podcast or something like. And I, mm-hmm. I don't remember when it was, but we just were not happy. It just we were miserable. No, it was bad. I didn't like it at all. It was just, yeah, it was super toxic. The just, I don't know. I mean, I think as well, like, I mean, I disagree with a lot, a lot of what we said back then as well. I think both of us have changed a little bit as well. So there's that aspect to it. But yeah, I think we just sort of eventually phased out of it and just decided. I guess, I think what it was, was that p- politics became a thing that was quite uh, this sort of force in the games industry. And it was very noticeable, especially if you engaged in a lot of conversation online uh, about video games and so i guess it was us sort of being like there's a lot of bullshit going on and i guess pushing back against that um but you realize that you know as much as i guess you know i still believe that there is a lot of bullshit and to push back against the you know weird stuff but i guess it's just it does it's it's exhausting um and it's it's nicer and it's happier uh, if you just sort of yeah i guess don't engage with every single thing um Unless it's something you really, I guess, want to talk about. Um, Just do what you yeah. want to do, not what you feel yeah. like you have to exactly, do or someone yeah. else expects of you. 
Mm. Right. I think it's more interesting that it's more interesting, right? I mean, like, why would you, why would anyone come to you if to just hear what they want to hear anyway? It's, it's strange. And Mm. what I really take just kind of focus at in my life, like in the things I read and kind of whatever is finding interesting alliances, political alliances in the space and in the gaming space. What's interesting is that like politics are really relevant. It's just the political, the political discourse is controlled entirely by identitarians and I can't stand identitarianism. I can't stand it at all. Um, and what I'm learning is, is that there's a massive contingent. Now, by the way, I would only learn this because I expose myself to things I fundamentally disagree with. But there's a massive contingent on the left that also hates them. And usually you find them in like the rose socialist left. And I've been listening to and watching a lot of that stuff recently. And I don't agree with what, a lot of what they say. But I realized, like, wow, you also hate that? I always kind of assumed everyone on the left was, like, you know, obsessed with pronouns and skin color yeah. and just, you know, ne- almost like a neo-segregation that's going on. It's disgusting. And you learn, like, oh, there's these, there are these people on the other side that also disagree. Like, what can we, since we have this common ground and we're simpatico, what can we work on together? And, like, what do we agree on together? Um, and it just happens that the games industry is just full of the people both sides don't like very much and they control everything. So it's kind of sad because like, it's fun to talk about cyberpunk from a, from a social issue standpoint about transgender and transhumanism and trans fluidity and all that's fascinating. And, and also at the economics of the game and how the, the um, they've lost half their market cap and all of that at CD project. And, you know, the same thing with Hogwarts legacy. Well, if you have a problem with JK Rowling and you want to, go on about that then let's have an honest conversation about that or the the ethics of creating a game like anthem and pulling the plug on it and what you owe to players and and all of that and these are all fascinating inherently political or economic issues germane to the way a company is run but we can't even get into that because people are too worried about uh who has the most woke points yeah Uh, and i just that's the shit that i refuse to participate with those are the toxic motherfuckers on the internet there's others yeah. too. A lot of the MAGA people, for instance, you know, also very toxic. But when in our mm-hmm. space, come on, you know, yeah. like we all know where it's coming from, and it sucks because it just seeks to divide. And I'm really interested in uniting, and um, I hope we can do that. I, I actually reached out to someone today to talk about the Hogwarts legacy issue, and she said she didn't want to, and. Uh, which I respect, but part of it was that like she didn't feel comfortable with my in front of my audience doing that, and I'm like that sucks because that's not really rep- why why not I, I'm not even gonna argue with her, but it's like why we're we're trying to be very fair minded over here. Let's not assume things about each other. Kind of like I assumed that like the wholesale left for a while was on board with this shit that they aren't. So can't we just kind of like deescalate and come? To, I don't know. I don't think it's possible. Yeah, yeah I think I think as well with. Uh, regards to this, you know, these these people, because obviously, like you said, there's a lot of interesting conversation to be had, but people seem focused on the wrong things. I think it's the, there, there definitely are people on both sides of this this argument that are, you know, very extreme and, uh, you know, talking about this crazy shit. But I think the issue is that the people, uh, you know, I guess the people that are, that are more left-leaning are the ones that are, they're given a platform and almost made, like those people are sort of vindicated in, in, in what they think almost. I mean, I don't know if it's true, but the way that I see things is like if you're sort of in that industry and you're not completely on the same page with a lot of the, 
you know the way that these people think you're sort of you know pushed to the side whereas the people that are on the right that are kind of fucking insane are those people aren't given the same platform unless they make it for themselves where you see with like these youtube channels where you make like 60 videos on why brie larson sucks or whatever right um but those people aren't given the platform or given the i guess i don't know give i i don't even know what i'm trying to say but it's just the way that you see it i guess because i guess these people do have a platform those people that are complaining about brie larson or abby and the last of us they do have a platform and their entire platform is about that they have an audience they have an audience and i get but they have a platform through that audience but i guess when you look at i guess it's mainstream the mainstream games media they don't they don't have a place there they wouldn't be they wouldn't be welcome there um, but if we've learned anything james over the last 12 months about the gaming industry is they're all fucking liars anyway like how yeah, much well, of, I mean, how much came out last year with this <clears throat> you know industry culture problem, the ubisoft culture problem and it wasn't even just that mm. what was it rocksteady had it as well these companies that was full of these like toxic men that were sexually harassing assaulting uh, and mistreating the women in their industry but they were the people for years going on about how fucking woke they are and and their community mm, yeah, members going about how fucking woke they are and how nice they are and then it came out you're all a bunch of fucking liars anyway and it's and that's what you know, lets down so much of the audience that, that gravitates towards those video games or um, those developers and what the reason why I love what we do here and that you may people may not like us I could give a fuck but we are who we are I don't have a fucking skeleton in my closet you're not going to find out something about me you don't know I am completely and 100% me on these shows people know everything about my life if you listen to all my podcasts like I've got nothing I've got nothing else you, whereas these people that you think you know them um, but if they're just agreeing with everyone that they're surrounded by because it's their job, then how, how, do you, how do you really know what they think? How do you really know who they are? You don't. And you can't then be surprised that they're fake. Hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm glad you brought up Ubisoft especially because I had issues with some of the dudes over there for a while that didn't want to work with me long before I stopped even trying to get anything Same. from publishers. A couple of years ago, and then and ended up being like some of those guys are like fucking pieces of shit, you know. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. well, yeah. I'm glad to get on. I was I'm glad to be on the wrong side of you, fuckhead. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so, for sure. um, I feel like it's it's very weird. It's just that right wing people are not really given the benefit of the doubt. Left wing people are, and of course, businesses are um falling all over themselves to be woke, which is just weird because you should just be a company, just be a company. You know, it's okay. Like, we don't want to hear from you, Apple. We want the iPhone to be better. We want yeah. you to make better better iTunes and better iOS and all that. Well, I don't care about your political opinions at all. I don't care about the political opinions of the people that work at your company at all. You know, Google, don't care. Don't care. Twitch, even, when they were doing this thing, you know, a couple of days ago for Women's Month or whatever, and they had this big blowback, it's like, because um, we don't care. You're a platform in which we stream video games. The people on the platform are the ones with opinions we care about. We don't care about your mm. opinion, Amazon, you know? And that, I think, is becoming a little tiresome for people, too. And so I think that the best thing we can do, it's as you guys said already, and I think you said it very well, um, and we had mentioned it earlier, we just we just erect our own places. Um, 
and do our own thing. And you're right there. I remember when I was at IGN, they made a huge miscalculation and I was on the right side of this, which was like they really thought that people cared more about the name IGN than the people that worked there. It was a massive miscalculation and they were wrong. Mm. It wasn't unique to them. It It was almost it would have been unique to see it any other way, actually, at that time. So it's not like to disparage them. But it's just to say, like, there's just um, things are different now and people carve out their own way. And you can the beauty of the Internet and these little micro communities that you guys have made and I've made and others is like we don't you don't need a million people to watch you. You don't even need 100,000 or 50,000 people to watch you. Um, Sacred Symbols is a huge show. We only have like 50 or 60,000 people listening to it. You know, it's not like it's not like there's like 5 million people listening to Sacred Symbols. It's an incredibly profitable show. Everyone's paid very fairly. And we have much more credibility than the current podcast beyond or anything like that. And so it's a good place to be. And um, it's it, it, it continues to be like their errors are our win as long as we can continue to build constructively on those things. And and you guys clearly are. I mean, you know, I keep an eye on what you guys do. I, I follow you both on Twitter, you know. Um mm. I follow other people on Twitter. I'm keeping an eye on what other people are doing and how people are growing and thriving. And it's awesome. You know, yeah. it's great to see, like even you don't need to be part of that culture to, to thrive. Yeah. 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 You're hundred percent right. True. Like what, and even then, like there's so many little connections in it. Like you've got, um, you know, you've got with last Air media, all these different shows and, and other people you've brought on board like like um maddie from defining duke he's you know he got his own great youtube channel his editor is the editor for our show and he edit and he's also the editor for robin gaming so like there's all these people that we've got like these um connections with um and that we all somehow sort of you know work together so we all have our microspaces but they also do this cross-pollination for sure which is also really fun um and we're not all the same we're not all doing the same things but we can all um you know still share audience members and work together and talk to each other and and you know and have certainly that, and i've know, been trying to be more open about that too because i've kind of just crawled back into my hole for a few years maybe reasonably so but um i'm this year has been the year where i'm trying to talk more and like incorporate more people again and be open to community i guess i'm always expecting to be hurt you know as sad as that sounds, as miserable as that sounds, that I'm just like, ah, I'll just rely on myself in like a very small circle of people. But it's not, it's really not human to live that way. And it's certainly not constructive. And the audience wants to hear, like the, what's interesting about you guys and what's interesting about others is, and I'm sure your audience feels the same way and your fans is like, they're also interested in the people that you like because they like you. And hmm. so there's almost a service to be paid where it's like, well, I'm glad you brought up Robin Gaming or something like that or, or obviously you guys and what we've done with Maddie and Carrick and, and others where it's like you like me, you're going to like these guys and so you're almost doing your audience a favor by being that way so I'm trying to be much more optimistically open about that um, as I continue to to rework and recircuit my mind to be more normal <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah and and I mean it's it's, it's working I think you know, people definitely gravitate towards who who we like. Like it, it could be as trivial as I I my favorite mu- musician is John Mayer. I fucking am obsessed with John Mayer. Now he, the thing in our community group, especially like our Patreon page and and that podcast on there, is everyone loves John Mayer now. 
like uh, you know over the years i've slowly indoctrinated a large group of people to be obsessed with john mayer and it's just like that's a music thing it's not even what i do it's not even what we talk mm. about it's just like i'm i would sound a podcast i'd be like oh yeah no i you know i was listening to john mayer or like i love john mayer and all of a sudden now it's like people are obsessed with him because i mean if i like and you like me you'll probably like you may be able to relate to the music like it doesn't even have to be what we're doing it's it's bizarre mm. how much people yeah. can truly gravitate towards you know if they like you they can like what you like as well right that's mm. a it's like an extraordinary responsibility in some way uh as well whether mm. or not they you know and i i try to also go to the audience uh, you'll see every once in a while on twitter i just ask people to recommend me games because there's so much i missed and i i recently i started playing a game called sparklight through one of those recommendations and um i downloaded a game called slay the spire which is supposed to be excellent and other games that I had never been exposed to, um, RFL, which I just platinumed, which is a JRPG. And so it's cool to kind of also go in and be like, well, you know me and now I know you a little bit and we're kind of on the same wavelength. So like now you kind of do me a solid and they do. And so I gave them in that case free, free copies of Herboroxia too. But um, it's cool to kind of, that's the other thing that we have that a lot of these places don't, which is like a real community of people, like good, decent, kind-hearted um, hardworking, fair-minded, diverse people. Diverse not only in the ways that don't particularly matter to me. <laughs> the color of your skin doesn't matter to me at all. Your gender doesn't matter to me. Your sexual identity doesn't matter to me. But if that matters to you, then we have a very diverse audience there, but also diverse in what's in your mind. And that's that's the most and, and really only relevant piece of diversity in my mind. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agreed. Absolutely agreed. <clears throat> Um, mm-hmm. and, oh man, it just, I had it in my head. It's just, it's just, it's just wiped out. Um, oh man, I'm, I'm mind blanked. But, uh, what you were saying before about, you know, the, the, you know, being able to, you know, relate to your community and really be able to, I don't know, have, have a responsibility. That's, that's the point I, I, I gravitated towards that you made was there is, there is a responsibility there. I think when you have an audience that, especially on, in our space, that's different to anything I've ever seen before. And I'm learning it not as someone that watched it. Cause you know, I, I became a content creator cause I used to watch people and I'm like, I want to do that. That's cool. I, I'd love to get involved. And I started just making my own content. You know, me and James met through that, you know, and I felt like I'd been do- making content for forever at that point, but it only been like two years when James and I started doing shows. Now it's been seven years, James and I have been, doing shows together and podcasts and stuff and you know he's one of my best friends it's it's wild but then all of a sudden you grow an audience and because it's such an intimate audience it really is you get to know them as well like i go on my streams if i'm streaming a game and it's i feel like i know these people i spend so much time I'm like oh yeah i really should play the game because i feel like i'm just talking to the chat and catching up with you know these people that i've gotten to know Right. Uh, and mm. you know they have their they have their own problems they have their own life problems and they'll open up to you because they feel like they know you so well and I feel like a responsibility to like be there for them it's it's bizarre to think about but I really do yeah yeah I totally understand mm. it's it's an extraordinary thing and every once in a while you I I brought up my, the example of my old friend Mike Mitchell who was a fan of Podcast Beyond and I ended up being roommates with him for many years and. 
um, people like Dustin and Ben, who are my producers, started as fans and are close confidants of mine now and friends, you know, and, and employees, of course. But yeah, it is. It's interesting. And I, I enjoy that, too. So it's almost nice to have the the downside, if you want to call it, of having a smaller audience. I wish there were a million people that were listening to me, but something's lost in there. Like all respect to someone like Ninja, for instance, but he can't by virtue of his massive audience size have any sort of he he can't even interact with his audience at all. I mean, I can't imagine that you can read his chat or his ads on Twitter or anything like that. So he just becomes this entity unto of himself, unto himself, which is awesome. Or like Taylor Swift or someone like someone that's so big, Kanye West. And that's cool. But I think being able to kind of have it both ways is actually kind of nice. And yeah, so I'm not going to I'm not going to, uh, you know, look at gift horse in the mouth in that regard. And didn't you guys get to meet finally a couple of years ago or, or more recently, like in person? Yeah, yeah, two years. Well, nearly two years ago, a year and a half ago, yeah. it was end of 2019. Uh, yeah, I remember we had a little, it was we got together because our little group uh, with me and Tyler and the two others are the four pillars what we call our like community um, we had like a community meetup in London where we got together with each other as content creators but also our audience as well to meet uh, a bunch of people and like people that work like do moderator stuff for our discord and our streams and everything and people that watch us it was just yeah it was just really nice to be able to interact face to face and I think it, it, it made me realise and I think Tyler as well that yeah, you sort of when when you meet these people, everyone that watches you is an individual person, and I think that makes it mm-hmm. feel even even better when you do what you do. Um, and that's what I love about doing it is is the community aspect of it, and that within our larger community, we've got smaller communities with like our Patreon and uh, our Discord and, and and whatever, and you get to know these individual little groups. And I don't know, I I like that. I would I would. I would hate to lose that by becoming too big for it. So I'm I'm kind of happy where I am, although steadily growing. Um, so I, I kind of would hate to grow too big for it because I think it's one of the one of the joys of doing this thing. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's uh, uh, and I think even to your point, James, the meetup really opened. I know I know it certainly opened my eyes up. I <clears throat> mm. I thought I was going to quit making things and shows i thought i was like look i'm 20 however 24 25 like this was fun while i was at uni and you know making things but i you know i've got a full-time job and i i, I joined the military um and i was like i probably should you know just do that and then i you know i end up overseas and i was like what i meeting these people i was like wait i actually have an impact like these are real people that you've affected and these these people that have like they're also not they're not even just they weren't even just there to meet us they were there to meet each other because they talk on our discord every day and they've never met and they're like best friends and Mm. they met through you and you're like oh my god like what i do is actually important and maybe more important than anything i thought i was doing outside of it and it changed my perspective and i'm then went from how the fuck do i backtrack all these other things i've got going on in my life and figure this out and eventually you know I, I've cut back everything in my life to give myself more time to put into this because this is actually what I want to do. It went from thinking that meetup was a bit of like a sayonara for me in the back of my mind. I hadn't told you that, James, until afterwards to going, no, this is what I need to be doing. This is what really um, brings me joy and especially getting to work in person with you guys as well was was mm-hmm. amazing. So yeah, that whole thing, when you when you really meet the people, it's 
it's a different different thing altogether and i don't need to meet these people like uh, all the time to remind me of it i can think back to that one moment because it had never happened to me before i you know um i'd never you know in that big circle met all these people that know you so well and they're coming up to you telling you you know about a tv show i had someone just come up to me like i want to talk to you about this tv show that you recommended on the podcast i'm like oh really okay and then i had a full conversation about that like people gravitate towards for any number of different things it's not necessarily what you think it's gonna be which is the wildest part it could be some off little remark and all of a sudden Mm. they're like bang i'm onto that it's it's funny i think well i'm glad you used the word important because i was thinking of the word meaning too like I think I've, there was a time when I was really self-deprecating about what I did for a living and I feel very lucky and fortunate to have done this for a living for so long, but I can't, there came a time when I was like, you know what, there's meaning in this. Um, I'm not, uh, not good with my hands. I'm not like an, an engineer. I can't build you a brick wall or lay wire or do anything like that. And that's all really important stuff. I serve some sort of role in people's lives in terms of I entertain you, I distract you. Uh, maybe I make you think or I recommend things to you that bring you joy. And when I think about the people that do that for me in my life, they don't know who I am, but I listen to podcasts and entertainers and YouTube shows and stuff. And it's like, hey, I'm doing that. What you're doing for me right now, I do for other people. And then when I kind of just made that very common connection, very easy connection to make, I started to accept that, yeah, there is meaning to this. And and like you said, it's very many layers deep. Um, becomes very meta mm. with people that have been around a long time they remember what you say they meet each other they become friends they do their own shows together some of them work together make a game together and so on and so forth it's it's a pretty amazing thing and um yeah it's very fortunate and something that's just not possible at scale which is one of the upsides of being independent yeah yeah absolutely and definitely and it is yeah it's it's there's so much meaning to it. it's like having a friend i think is what i've started to realize it's like you, they get to know you. So what are they gravitating towards you in what way? Why are they grabbing onto, are they going to listen to this musician you listen to? Watch this TV show you watch? Play this game that you play? Or or have the... Ma- People have my mannerisms. Like, you know, I get all the time things mm-hmm. because uh, being inherently, you know, being an Australian, I have an audience that is not Australian. Uh, a lot of people from the UK and the US. And... I'll say things that are very me that I think is really common and people like will say all the time they speak in an Australian accent when I, they say things that I say a lot like and they'll think in my voice like it's like wh- where do you get that from in your, in your real life like James you do it all the fucking time like you'll just put That's on true, a, I did a, an Australian accent for a laugh but when do people do that in your normal life like I think back to high school, my friends, we'd get each other's mannerisms. Like, it's like having a friend. We are mm. these people's friends in so many ways, in this new mm. way. Like, that we actually have an influence on their lives. And people can say influence, I think it's bizarre. So it's, I mean, it's accurate in a lot of ways, but I feel like it's very egotistical in others. It's more of just like, you are a friend to these people. And you don't... Ha- and it may seem one way, because like, well, they're... You're, you don't know them, but they but they know everything about you. How are you their friend? Well, it's like, well, we're giving them right now this content. So we're giving them something. And they what they're receiving from it is stuff from us and they're getting to know us and feel like we're their friend. I actually do think it's a two-way street. It's just a new way of thinking about it, if that makes sense. Mm. 
Yeah, it's like you know that that image that people pass around sometimes, where it's the there's like a black kid sitting like cross-legged in front of a poster, and everyone's laughing on the poster, and he's like the only real person in the picture, and he's laughing along, and it's like it's just supposed to be a meme about people listening to podcasts. In other yeah, words, like, yeah, you're, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, and yeah. and I, I love that that image, and um, I totally relate to it. And that's why I try to I try to answer more people on Twitter and do all sorts of stuff because I tweet at people sometimes hoping to get a response because they're they're big deals to me. I have more followers on Twitter than half these people, you know, but they're still way bigger to me than than that. It doesn't matter. You know, it, I almost am like, how is that even possible? And so, yeah, it's cool. It's it's fun to be an entertainer and like a, a critic and um, whatever you want to be on any given day. It's it's quite a blessing. And so that's why I want to do it so consistently and do it at the highest possible level I can because you have to earn it and it's it's almost too easy to do this to just rest on your laurels you have to you have to bring it up a notch or two mm. yeah absolutely and I feel like you've been doing that with, yeah. with well you've rebranded from Collins Last Stand to Last Stand Media what's where do you see all this going like how many more do you want to keep it's similar to I guess what we've just launched our Four Pillars Network so, and we have a whole bunch of other content creators we've brought onto the network and started new podcasts and new shows and things like that um, and that's something we I'd want to do for a long time and it just sort of happened the way it happened this year and with putting it together we've got all these you know some really young guys that were just listeners to ours and started making content and they've now got their own show and are killing it um, and then just other friends of ours we've wanted to bring bring on and be a part of our network because we share an audience and we sh- we share ideas but our shows are all completely different and unique and I see that as well with Last Damn Media um, you've got um you know your PlayStation podcast. You've got an Xbox podcast. You've also got Knockback, which is very you, you, you and your brother. So it's like, you know, th- this special platform of that's an extension of you, but necessarily not necessarily always you on the on the platform on every show. How far do you see that going? In the sense of, do you want to keep adding shows, or are you wanting to refine the shows you've got, adding people, things like that? I think right now we're in the refining stage. Um, we want to be like really conservative and deliberate with the way we deliver content and I think we have to look and I say this over and over again so I'm sorry if people hurt you know common fans of ours have heard me say this ad nauseum but time is currency and you can't just throw things out and expect that people are going to gobble it all up they can't I mean there's just no time I think about all of the stuff that I have to skip that I really want to listen to or watch every week and I just fall hopelessly behind I'm like well guess I just got to watch the newest one because I'm never going to catch up again I don't want to contribute to that and other I want people to see our shows and be like this is something that I really need to cut time out for because it is very high quality and entertaining and informative or whatever the case might be and so we want to just continue to make the shows we're doing better and then if it makes sense in the future to do another show we'll do it I just knew that I needed to rebrand and get my name out of the sh- out of the uh, company's name because I wanted it to be about other people and maybe it'll always be about me up uh, you know um, upmost amongst all hosts on our on our brand, but I don't want uh, I don't want it to be all about me. And the other important thing is, and you brought up the Finding Duke, our new Xbox podcast. That has nothing to do with me, and I give them no instruction on how to run that show. And in fact, I, except for the first episode, I, I really don't listen to it because I don't even want to. I don't want to be like, oh, that was a good idea, and like kind of homo- mm. homogenize our shows as a, as they were. I want them to be their own things. And so with that mentality, maybe one day we'll do a Nintendo show or something. But that we're not going to do anything else this year except for to just um, 
to just refine those shows and we added video to everything too which is so we're doing a lot more the pipeline is like way more crowded than it's ever been for us so i want to just make and i don't want to overwork my my people either they they do enough so yeah it's it's i think in some ways when i look at how what covid's done to podcasts you know over the years you know james and i've always been on the other side of the planet doing doing this show together and you know how how do we make it high quality and still be on the other side of the world really because we're doing it over skype or over discord chat or something and but you know we used to just record james would just record the call and it was just the worst quality and then we just you know, stream yeah, it yeah yeah we used to stream we used to live stream the show which was oh. is mental to think that we did that like it's a terrible idea now every um, episode was a disaster every honest. episode was a disaster but you know they worked for us at the time and then it was just recording our own audio pre-recording everything and then i'm like we need to do video and you know because i watch all the i well i used to watch all these podcasts where they're in a studio in person in video format and i always loved watching a podcast so i'm like we need to be able to do that and the funny thing is like we started doing and then COVID hits and then all these podcasts are in these studios had to do what we were doing which is record over skype and and have their own camera uh they're in their own home or their own office in their own space and you've got all these different cameras on the screen at once. I'm like, oh, that's what we've been doing. Like, this is like, right. you know, you're you're playing on our court now. Now our shows, <laughs> you know, the is is the high quality one because they're st- the, it took them months to work out the kinks and their audio sounds terrible or you know this that and the other. And I'm like, oh wow, my these shows that have millions of listeners, my shows better quality. Like because this is how we do it. We we prepared for this already yeah. so it's it's so you know bizarre to see how how things can change and how content changes um especially over the last 12 months do you feel it's changed a lot for you through through the pandemic or or was this something you'd already sort of planned in the way you were going to do things no i mean similar to you i think we were like tailor-made for this moment it's yeah it's pretty amazing i mean we got so many compliments especially early on in covid about how good the show sounded because we had already been doing it like this. I mean, nothing yeah. the way we didn't change anything about the way we recorded at all. It didn't change anything for us. It was very serendipitous in terms of timing, but it just all worked out. So the only thing that I think everyone's kind of seen is just this universal kind of decline in podcast listenership for a little while as people are home more and are, are digesting things differently and are on YouTube more and maybe a little less audio dependent and all of that. That was one of the reasons that I wanted to start doing video was, you know, our numbers were flat even though we were getting more and more people on Patreon and that just told me like people are not listening to the podcast and we would get those messages. People would be like, I don't commute anymore. I don't, there's like literally no way I can listen to the show anymore. I don't know how I would even do it. And so you have to kind of go where they are. And so video ended up being kind of the logical extension of that. But yeah, it's, it's not changed very much and it's been interesting and to our benefit on a, on the market that it's hurt so many other people. And I can't believe even after a year, how bad some things sound and look it's oh it's amazing like actually how bad some of it is still yeah it's it's, but it's just like do do people not have they not thought it doesn't cost a lot to have a half decent microphone no but people just can't figure it out that it's like oh no i'll be back in my you know in the the old studio in a matter of time it's like will you though it's been a year it's been 12 months (laughs) and you know it's still yeah Yeah, stop stop recording into your webcam mic oh god it's wild (laughs) It's wild. Yeah, sorry for reminding you about that, James. I, I apologize. Yeah, you know. I'm sure I'll be out of my house in the next year or... Seven. Yeah, I mean, I feel I like... I've, I don't... You know, 
there's no need to really go into the last year and talk about it because I always feel bad when I talk to James because Australia, we don't have... Uh, there's no COVID cases in uh, my state at all. Everything's normal here. Sports, live sport, li- and same with New Zealand. You know, life's fucking pretty normal here. Like, we had one new case... Because everything... You've got a hotel quarantine if you come to Australia for two weeks. Um, and the government used to pay for it for the first, like, two or three months... Um, of the pandemic because we were trying to get people back home um, from other countries. But then after like, yeah, three, four months, they're like, all right, if you want to go overseas, that's fine, but you're paying for your hotel and you have to quarantine 14 days. And it's, it's wild, but it's also as, as shit as it would be. uh, It's also great to live here in that sense, because it's just sort of normal other than like, you have to check in when you go anywhere Um, on your phone there's, there'll be like a QR code or whatever at a restaurant I don't is that a thing in other places or is that just here like you go to a restaurant do you um, check in it's here as well yeah uh, uh, well I mean we haven't been able to go places but when the one time I did in the last 12 months it, it was a thing no we don't have anything like that that wouldn't be tolerated by American society but we oh yeah um, that's actually a great point like imagine but, yeah okay yeah there's no way anyone's tracking anyone here but but we, yeah. they, they do do like some things where they'll take your temperature with a gun you know before they you go in that's like the best they can really do or ask you to wear a mask i mean i mean it's too late for you though like you know what i mean like it's too late what are you controlling like i don't know it's all theater at this point anyway i I just think um i live in the south so things have been relatively normal here too (laughs) yeah whether like for right or for wrong as opposed to like california which is like apparently really bad and has been for a year and new york and other places where it's just totally locked down it's really not been like that here for quite some time so um yeah it's 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 sad for a lot of people i know in in the uk like you guys were saying it's pretty byzantine what's going on in a lot of places but i think we're almost out and um you know i haven't even tried to get my i haven't even tried to get inoculated because i just feel like my civic duty right now is to just not bother anyone because i'm in my 30s and i never leave the house so yeah um, mm-hmm. you know yeah you like i feel like what like what the fuck do i need a shot for i'm not i feel like it's kind of rude you know especially yeah. in this doggy dog society of ours it's like now nah, some old person can have my shot yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah i feel <clears throat> sort of the same as well and james you had covid so it's fine you, you i did have covid you've got, yeah. the, you got antibodies. the antibodies yeah. yeah yeah i'm all good you're all good it wasn't all good. You were having a really rough time there for a minute. Yeah, but... it was all bad, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's all good now. Yeah. Yeah, I actually um, knew... I actually... Uh, I don't know if they've announced it yet, but there, there's a guy, smaller YouTuber named Bobby, who is this Nintendo YouTuber who recently, like a couple of days ago, died of COVID. It's still... Oh, shit. It's still claiming lives, and it's incredibly sad. Um, I almost feel bad for being so flippant about it. Not after like the lockdowns begun, but like early in the year when this stuff started leaking out of China and stuff. I'm like, ah, yeah. I'll be fine. I think we all but, were. I think we yeah. all were like, yeah, yeah. N- partly not no wanting to predict this. Yeah, it's it's, it's wild. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, well, well, we're about um, running out of time here, so we'll we'll wrap up. It's a shame because I know uh, we wanted to talk about um, Colin's favorite. Um, game franchise Kingdom Hearts and the rhythm game oh, no. Melody of Memory. So I know we, we could have done a really, you know, in detail, because I know you've probably played the shit out of the rhythm game. Yeah, really you know, dive deep. Yeah, we yeah. could have really uh, dived deep into, into Kingdom Hearts with you, Colin. I know how much you love it. But unfortunately, um, yeah, we'll probably have to wrap up. Um, but what Colin, um, thank you so much for, for coming back on the show. We won't wait 12 months to get you on again this time. We'll, we'll, we'll get you on again this year for sure. So thank you. 
no thank you it was uh thank you for the invite it was good to talk to you guys again and i'm wishing you uh, all the very best yeah, yeah same um, to you it's been good absolutely absolutely and uh if you're not already go subscribe to to last hand media on youtube and um check out their yeah. check out their shows over there it's it's fantastic stuff sacred symbols and defining duke they're, they're great and and knockback that's now on Thank video you. form on, on, yeah. um, on the channel it's um fantastic stuff mm. so go check it out um and and obviously for our guys um <clears throat> if you're um from from colin's side of the fence and you're checking out uh this podcast for the first time subscribe to the four pillars network which is where this um you can watch this show in its video form um mm. and of course if you like you listen to here and you want to hear more head over to patreon.com forward slash as always and for just one dollar a month you get exclusive access to the best podcast on the internet the clubhouse podcast over 100 episodes are streamable right now for just a dollar mm. plus other cool perks Aww. bonuses and rewards so to thank the the credits list the um obscenely long credits list we have Damien, Real Kermit Cinema, King Richard III, Viridian, Colton the Cream Pie King, Jesper Olsen, Ulbrich, Avery Dobbs, Cat94, Flash Paradox, Clark53, Does the Name William Miles Ring a Bell, Cassandra Fingers Me with Her Thick Strong Arms, Raj, Ryan Hafer, Tristan Weaver, Bullsack47, Seth, Mario5380, Lumistrad, Pinkflame313, Ooga Booga, Chinka Wooga, Tooga Mooga, Luga Suga Vuga, Ruga Suga Zuga Yuga Duga, South2557, Henry, Kimasaba Gamer Cream Pie, Sakaris aka Kieran, Justin, Aragorn, Emil Catborg, BQ Overlord the Elder, Fishy, Josh Duvillier, Ravjai, Timon or Travis, Son of a Bitch, OG Dogger, Harrisy aka Bad Assassin, Connor DeRose, Bully in the Alley, Gene, Josh Ramora, Brian Ford finally remembered to change his name, Joe the Sexy Boy Smith, The Weekly Planet Sim, Josh J. Anderson, Winona Ryder, aka Lindsay from Destination Wedding, Furious Coco, Benedict Clobbers, Samwise the Sassy, Joe the Founded Scarab, aka Tyler's son, Victor Eliason, Fat Fuck Cuck, Colin, I think that's your favorite one, Fat Fuck Cuck from memory. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, that's a good that, one too. That, that's the one. It's one of my favorites too. Pico Swag, Cassassin, <laughs> Mass the Bass, Milk Boy, TJFL, Luca, Andy Cure, Max H, uh, Poopy, De Scoopy Scoop, Diddy Whoop Whoop, De Scoop Deep Poop, Chunky Malha, <laughs> Cookie, Nick Miller, Radok, Jack DJ1998, Owen Big Brain Brain, Walshy, Gwen Hughes, Imagine Dying in Demon Souls, though, Evan Brown, Ben Higgins is waiting for David Jerome EP, Christian Rowe, Your Money, I Don't Have Your Money, Philip Stillwagon, Give Me a Penis, Kyle, Lady Litzomania, Greenies Weenie, Liam, The Blue Cow, <laughs> Jackery, Rainy Not Sunny, Louis De Leon, Tristan Obigfell, Big Dick, 666999, Angel of Harlem, Anonymous 1K, Christian, 0210, Hurlsberg, Otaku World, 7, Possessed Jackal, Tajan Markion Young, Zeppo, Jack Nichols, Biggest Fucking Virgin, Can I Get a Fucking He, Oh Yeah, uh, Bodge, Elias and Rowe, Order 1908, They Call Me the Greenie Bearer, But Assassin Christmas is Long Gone, aka Connor, Franco, oh, we're almost there, guys. Poobit Flubit, Joshua James, Sparky Barks, and Ben Davis. Thank you, sweet vintage lads. Oh, my Holy God. Oh, shit. That's, it's, that's the, yeah, that's the, um, the we've got to change things because it's so long. Yeah, we, Jesus see, Christ. Colin, it's nearly four list, pages. Yeah, Colin, that list used to be at the start of the podcast, and we changed it so it's like producers only, so it's like the higher tier and then we moved it so it's just the end so it's a bit of a disaster but no it's not i mean it's painful. nice that you guys do that you know but you yeah. guys seem to have a, some cream pie fetishists in your yeah there's, in your there's a few yeah, they things that fine. are going on here um yeah there's some cream pie fetishists but i also just like to um 
change their names on a regular basis to kind of fuck with us and like break us while we read the list so it became a regular thing that every episode people would completely change their name to try to like make us laugh during the list reading so that's that's funny fun. i like that that's a nice little tradition yeah. yeah, it makes it a bit yeah, more entertaining than you just get used to like everyone's normal names or like if the joke sort of runs its course. So it's definitely good in that way. Definitely good in that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you to all those people for supporting us um, over on Patreon. Again, head over, subscribe to Last Day Media, subscribe to the Four Pillars Network, uh, and um, we will see you all very soon for another episode of this podcast plus Clubhouse next week and the Four Pillars podcast next week. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Goodbye. Catch you later. Bye.